With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. The Team Never Quit podcast is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union. Navy Federal Credit Union is helping their members save when they purchase new homes. They have loan options and resources to make sure you get a great deal. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. All right, everybody, welcome back to the TNQ Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Luttrell. Every week, it's my job to fire you up, to ignite the legend inside of you, and to push you to your greatness. Join me every week as I take you into my briefing room with some of the most hard-charging people on the planet. They're going to show you how to embrace the suck of life, teach you the values of working your ass off, and charge through whatever life throws at you. This is the Team Never Quit Podcast. Podcast. So buckle up, buttercup. Welcome back, everybody, to the Team Never Quit Podcast. Thank you guys for listening, watching, and most importantly, subscribing. Make sure you go check out what we're doing on YouTube because it's the only way you can see what's going on here in the studio. And we've got plenty of short clips coming out and all kinds of stuff over there. So make sure you're subscribing on YouTube as well as any other social platforms where you're at. We're there at Team Never Quit. That said, our Patreon community, we appreciate you guys so much. And it is time for us to hear the Patreon question of the day. You've been given an opportunity to meet some of your family that lives in a different era. Would you rather meet your ancestors or your descendants? Ooh, that's a tough one. It's a tough one, but a good one. I think I would want to know the legacy because I kind of know some of the history, although it would be amazing to get to meet them. I think I'd want to see the descendants, not the ancestors. So for me, I am very blessed uh, with my family line on my mom and my dad's side. When I was a kid, I had my all my grandparents, my great-grandparents, and my great-great-grandparents. So wow. I... <laughs> It's pretty awesome. I know that. You ever seen that show True Blood about Louisiana <laughs> where they live forever down there? That's where she comes from, that, that area there. I, I know <laughs> that I'm very blessed in that. I'm 43 years old, and the first grandparent to die was my grandpa this, this April. So I still have three of my grandparents. Um, I had my greats until my late 20s. Um, I, so for me, I knew my ancestors, or I know my lineage. So I would want to know my descendants. And that's actually one of my prayers is that I get to hold and take care of and watch my great grandchildren grow up. Mm -hmm. That is something I really, really hope God grants me with because it's very special to me that I get to to be around that long. Well, I will see you in heaven. I love you. I don't know if I can make it that long, baby. Like grow up. Talking about growing up. Yes. That's what she said. She didn't say see him for a little bit. She no. Said. <laughs> I will see you in heaven. Huh. 
I really want to see and know and have She is all about them grandbabies, though, man. She wants a damn thing I'm to do with me when they come on. I'm very excited about grandbabies and great-grandbabies. So what about you, babe? What was the question? She started talking about grandkids. <laughs> yeah. Would, Would you, you rather, rather see meet your oh, oh, oh. ancestors or your kids? My ancestors. What? Yep. Right. I'd, love to, I'd love to get with every single one of them, sit down and have a good dinner. and have. A, I have to know where I come from. What if you're assholes? They are. Absolutely have to be. I have that in me, so I know that they uh, exist. They're probably magnificent at it, as a matter of fact. Yeah. And I love that. Okay. I mean, so my, the runs that come after me, man, and it probably helped me teach them. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, that was a deep way of thinking about it. But yeah, I'd have to, I want to go hang out with my. Uh, well, I know the impact I had from my great great grandparents and my great grandparents definitely has an impact on how I raise our kids and future grandkids. Well, yeah, that's why I love telling the stories and writing all that stuff down yeah. and having them. That's why family reunions are important. Like, y'all have all those family yeah. all around y'all. That's, that's fantastic. Even mm -hmm. if you don't like them, there should be one time a year you get together just to remind yeah. yourself why you don't it's like them. It's more fun that way. Isn't it? It's more fun that way. It sure is. Make it a little yeah. So yeah. what about you, Steph? So three things come to mind when I'm asked that question. One, I did a heritage project my entire sophomore year in high school, which gave me, it, it forced me to interview my living grandparents at the time, and they're not here today. So that heritage project went to both of their funerals and all the pictures and all the stories that they told me were on paper, and I got to share that. Awesome. So I feel like I have a glimpse into my ancestry. Um, the other two things that come to mind are Back to the Future and the mm -hmm. Yellowstone prequel, right? <laughs> but, but aside from that, I, my answer would have to be, I think I would, I think I agree with you, Melanie. I think I'd have to see my descendants. Yeah. I think I'd have to see my descendants because it speaks to just all, like everything, my girls having babies mm -hmm. and getting married and my son and God willing him getting married and having babies and what all of those how that all comes to fruition. I feel like it's, it would be kind of this really cool glimpse into the future. Yeah, I agree. Well, maybe that's how yeah. the world goes around. Guys want to see their hangout. That's just yeah. thinking yeah. that. Yeah. Maybe right. <laughs> it's like, we might've just had a, some truth exposed here. Yeah, yeah, we something did. just got yeah. figured out. I feel it. Well, thank you guys on Patreon for that question. We uh, maybe leave in the comments, whether you'd rather meet your ancestors or descendants and let us know why. Today, we have a great guest in store. Stephanie Herzong is a mom of three awesome kids and a small business owner. She is the CEO slash founder slash owner of a boutique home and commercial interior design firm in Connecticut and currently serves as a board member for Cure Rare Disease. That's curerarediseases.org. Stephanie's passion for Cure Rare Disease and the research strategies that they go through for curing genetic disorders was born from the Duchenne muscular dystrophy diagnosis of her son, Max. Welcome to the show, Stephanie. We can't wait to hear all about everything. Thank you guys so much for having me. So we're going to just start this out. What we talked about earlier probably won't make it on air. So um, Marcus and I were just with Stephanie and her husband, Jesse, like two days ago, and we had the best time. And normally when we go out on speeches, I mean, yes, we always meet nice people, but this was something very special, and I hope we formed a friendship forever. I hope so. We wound up in your home. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. And I was telling people, I was like, I don't know if we should tell them 
Because Melly and I have really talked about, made a point to say how 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 much fun we had, how how wonderful it was. I was like, and I, the common knowledge down here is that everyone up there is really kind of mean, and, and and I think y'all do that on purpose to hide that place. Yeah, they say all Northerners are the mean yeah, people. That, yeah, they do that on purpose to keep mm-hmm. us down here. Yeah. <laughs> They don't they're want stingy, man. They're they don't stingy. want Texas. They don't going want us up, up there. there. That's because the weather was awesome, and then they're on the water. Yeah. The people are all polite. The food is good. The food. The food was really good. Yeah. The food's really good. <laughs> really good. The food's really good, right? Yeah. yeah right. So good. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay, so um, Stephanie, we just would love to have you tell your story and um, or your family story. Uh, if you want to just bring it back to kind of who you are, you can just kind of take it from there. So, um, my husband and I met, we were 20, 21 years old, um, 2001. We actually grew up about a mile away from one another in the little neighborhood that you visited this past weekend. Um, and we knew of one another. I went to an all girls Catholic high school and he went to our town high school and he was a year younger. We met up in, in college actually, and we spent many days on the water that you guys visited and um, we became friends and we ended up dating in college. And um, five years later, we were married and started our family with our, our two little girls, Stella and Vida. And um, I was working for my mom who sold art. He was working for his dad who sold oil and both fan both we both come from families who own their own businesses, small business owners, you know, hardworking people. And, um, and so we have start our family. We have two beautiful little girls and I always wanted three. So I pushed for that third and we got Max, we got the baby boy. And, uh, that was the best day ever. Um, and six months later, we just happened just completely by accident, um, found out that he has Duchenne muscular dystrophy, which, um, doesn't run in my family. I turned out I was not a carrier. It's a genetic, it is a genetic rare disease that's usually passed on by the mom. Um, so, and with that come a whole sort of things like you're at greater risk for cardiomyopathy as a carrier, So that was like, we got doubled down on with that, but, um, it turned out I wasn't a carrier and, and it was so funny when we met you guys, the first thing out of Marcus's mouth was, you know, there are no coincidences, right? And I was like, Oh oh boy, do I know there are no coincidences? Yes, I do. It was actually my speech last year that there are no coincidences. Um, when we went to the doctor, they said, you know, you're not a carrier, but this is just a spontaneous gene mutation. I was like, there's nothing spontaneous about this. Like God picked us for this mission and we are out to, we're going to, we're going to fix this. And, and no matter how this pans out, um, Jesse and I made a promise to each other from day one, no matter how this pans out, we are going to dedicate ourselves to this disease for the rest of our lives. So, um, so yeah, that happened. And quite frankly, we kept the whole, the whole thing close to the vest, for the following three years. And we didn't come out, if you will, about it until um, the summer of 2019, which ended up being our first golf tournament. John Coombe, the guy who you met, who you went out on his boat, 
we were sitting by the pool one day and everybody had started to hear because I joined the Cure Rare Disease Board and they were like, oh, what's the connection? And I was like, oh, so my son has this rare genetic fatal disease and that's why I'm on the board. And it was, it was truly like, you know, we were coming out to everybody about it. Um, and John was standing there and he said, let's just throw together a hot, we need to have a golf tournament. We're going to throw together a golf tournament. We're going to have hot dogs. And it just, it took on a life of its own, but that was that summer was when we came out about it. And that was, um, truly just due to the fact that it was a, our only option and it was B our best option at curing this kid. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to bog you guys down with the science, but he's got in the, in the, in the way of Duchenne muscular dystrophy, 80% ish of boys who have Duchenne have a gene, they, they have a deletion in the dystrophin gene. Max has a duplication in the dystrophin gene. So in the realm of rare disease, it makes it even more. That's what I was going to ask you. Let, let's back that up. So when you're talking about uh, muscular dystrophy and the, the particular one that he has, it, it came on at a young age, but he, he wasn't born with it? No, six months old. Yeah, six months old. So he's born, talk about he that, is talk born about that with for a little bit, how you, what, you, what you saw. I mean, how you, how you noticed that. So to be honest, it, did, it doesn't manifest in boys until they're four to six years old. So it was just through like this blood test. It was something completely unrelated that our pediatrician said, you know, we need to do a blood test for this other thing. And it was during that routine blood test that this, this high liver enzyme popped up, which is a major indicator for something in the muscular dystrophy umbrella. Okay. So, um, that's, that's basically what led us to that. So at the time, I honestly, Marcus, I was like pissed. I was so mad that we knew it was like, I was like, I don't want to know. Like we were robbed of like these beautiful, like six to nine month babies. If I, I don't know if you agree with this, but I'm sure your wife will agree babies between the ages of six to nine months. It's like, it's the sweet spot. They're not walking and running and being crazy. They're not brand new babies. They're the cutest. It's the best, best time. In my opinion, those are the pictures I still have. And they're sleeping better. They're sleeping better. I don't have the grown up pictures in in my room. I have those. I I love that phase. Where were you sat them down is where they were when you came back. Exactly. I love that phase. Cause I was in charge of diapers and swaddling. That's all I had to do, man. It was great. Yeah. When our kids were four months old, they started sleeping through the night. And so that was like my, oh, okay, I can handle this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if I can uh-huh. get my yeah, sleep yeah. through the night and I, I just know. leave them right there, tucked into that little area, they're fine. It's the best time ever. And yeah, um, yeah so that was, of course, that's when we find out that he's got this horrible disease. And we're like, it's impossible. There's no way. And of course, we're mourning you know, basically this kid's future of what he was supposed to be, quote unquote. And, um, it was, it was awful. It was like, you know, and our girls were like four and six years old. They didn't know what was going on. It was like, we had like a funeral basically in this house for a month. It was horrible. But you know, once we, just just thinking about, I'm I'm sorry, just thinking about what was going to go down. Is that what you're talking about? Is that the emotions? Yeah, it was just, it was like the, the whole, the weight of it of our future of his future was uh it was it was heavy 
it was really heavy and it was sad. It was, it was like, you know, this loss that this kid, you know, you have this baby and, and he was born, he was born 10 pounds, 15 ounces. He was supposed to be good Lord. Yeah. Good job. That was, that was a big boy. And, um, and he was born and we're like, he, my, my husband, my father-in-law, both football guys. They're like, this kid's going to be an offensive lineman. He's going to play football. Yeah. Grandpa, right. Yeah. So, um, needless to say, fast forward through my husband's business. I don't know if Jesse talked to you about this that day, or, you know, if you, if you heard this or not, but through Jesse's business, they use the same, um, distributor for he's in the oil and gas business and, um, Rich Horgan, the founder of Cure Rare Disease, his dad owned a bunch of gas stations in upstate New York. So their distributor did this golf tournament every year for muscular dystrophy. And so Jesse just picked up the phone one day that he was feeling tough enough to talk about it and said, Hey, you know, what's your connection to muscular dystrophy? He comes, tells this guy and he says, you got to talk to Rich Horgan. You know, he's doing some really cutting edge stuff. So we end up meeting Rich Horgan, like on his route from Syracuse back to Boston. And I was like, yeah, we'll meet you at a Starbucks. We end up meeting him inside a Target at a Starbucks in Target in Windsor, <laughs> Connecticut. And we learn more from that 26-year-old kid in 45 minutes than we did talking to all the top specialists in our area, which are supposed to be the very, very best. Sure. So um, that was kind of the start of our journey. And again, not to bog you down with the science, but basically... He has figured out, our team has figured out through CRISPR technology, how to edit Max's gene mutation. And he, he's done the same thing with his brother's gene mutation. And the brother is set to be dosed this month, in the next 30 days, if you will, um, with his, his own customized therapy to cure his version of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. And explain just exactly what 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 that is. Um, okay, so I'm going to just preface with six years ago, this was science fiction, and this hadn't been done before. Um, there's there's so many layers of of just how wild it is because the guys who are part of our team are at Yale, so they're like ten minutes away from where we live, and those guys were brought here by Yale um, to focus on neuromuscular diseases by you with use of CRISPR technology. So their, their main focus is curing rare genetic diseases using CRISPR. The guy who heads up that team, Monko Leck from the Leck lab at Yale. Um, he also has, he has limb girdle muscular dystrophy. So he's got a vested interest in it. Um, so everybody that's part of this little bubble of cure rare disease um, everyone's got skin in the game, yeah. you know? Um, so uh, explaining explain on a what very what, basic, what Max has, like what the addition means for, like if someone were to get that diagnosed tomorrow, a, a mom okay. listening what, to what this. To look, yeah. What, what, what yeah, that mean? What yeah, that? yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's important to know. So basically boys usually get diagnosed between the age of four to six years old. 
Um, they lose their ability to walk between the ages of 10 and 12, and they usually lose their battle with the disease in their early 20s because you lose heart function, lung function, anything that's a muscle is affected. Um, and you can't produce dystrophin, which is basically the shock absorber to your system. So your muscles can't regenerate because of that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Golly, that's so hard. Yeah. So that's the heaviness that we were mourning mm-hmm. when we found out what Duchenne was, because we didn't know what it was when he was six months old. Um, and of course, we shielded our girls from it for for a, forever until really just about a year ago when we kind of had to come out and talk to them about it because they're old enough. Our girls are 13 and 11 and, you know, they're in school and they're learning about genetic diseases and they're, they're not, they're smart girls. Yeah. So, of course. you know, they, my oh, oldest, they, they, they recognize something. Eyes eat first. They'll recognize something before, before I even know what it is. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's a defense mechanism that kids have. It's nothing bad, good or indifferent. That's, that's just the way that is. And with Max, when you first see him, we, cause we have a friend, Elijah, he had, we talked about him. He has yeah. two, and they look like bodybuilders. I mean, he he does. He has these great calves. I mean, they're 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 majestic <laughs> looking. I'm not. That's the first thing when he when he, when he walked up on me, I was like, "Let me see them." Yeah, yeah. They are. I worked my whole life. Didn't even get anything like that. But it does. It, it's you know. I, I'm sorry, man. This is how I deal with. It. He he's he's. Marcus loves muscles. Man, I you know. I, he was born big. I was born small. I, my whole life, I wanted to gain weight. And I was talking with somebody the other day, and, and they were talking about, man, my whole life, I wanted to lose weight. It's, it's almost like there's an opposite down here. Yeah. When, yeah. When, if you see somebody and they say have they, this particular type of muscular dystrophy, that, that's how um, some, I, it's okay to say that, right? That they, they look like bodybuilders in the beginning. Their, their um, muscles yeah. are, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, and, and ultimately, that's like, that's scar tissue building up because okay, the so that's what atrophy. that is, right? That muscles yeah. atrophy and it, it's scar tissue that that forms over the muscles and ultimately, yes. it's, okay, check. Is it painful? Exactly. As I understand it, you know, there's cramping that happens. There's there's Max has we stretch Max out as much as possible, you know. So Max is seven, so he just turned seven in July. So it's it's like you know from the point when he was six months old until now, you know, we'll still say to each other, like, can you tell in the last year it's, it's as noticeable as, as it's ever been because it's happening, you know, it's happening in, in real time, which, which stinks. And, um, but it's something that we've kind of been preparing for. And ironically, like I was talking about how I was so pissed when we found out when he was six months old, because I felt like we got robbed and I was like, I wish we didn't know now. And I wish all that stuff, but you know, everything happens for a reason. And I hesitate to say that, but it does. It is. And it's upsetting. Well, it's, and it's upsetting, <laughs> but we pre- we're better, we're better prepared right. for it. Yeah. Like, we, when he starts asking questions and the girl starts asking questions, we, we don't skip a beat. So are there different therapies that you can do, physical therapies that you can do to help the cramping and the, the scar tissue? Yeah. So there's, we do stretching with him and then he has, he, he wears braces at night that keep his, basically keep his, his heel at a fifth, at a, at a 90 degree angle so that it's, it's flexed if you will. Yeah. Um, And aside from that, there's really, Melanie, there's not much, you know, he's on steroids daily. He's on a corticosteroid daily. 
um, because it is what they, it's what they refer to as standard of care because it's not treatment, but it's it's basically as good as it gets, and it's the the steroids stall the progression of the disease by stunting their growth. So that is um, that's what they refer to as as the standard of care. But there is no treatment, right? There was no treatment until. So January, 2020, we took him up to UMass to get like a thumb's worth of an adult thumb's worth of his quad muscle removed from his leg. And, um, fortunately it was, we got in there right before the pandemic and we got the muscle back to the CRISPR team and they tried all these different approaches. And this is the cool part. Um, so in the midst of, you know, the world shutting down, these guys just kept at it at Yale and they tried all of these different CRISPR approaches that they thought would work with Max's duplication and get this, they're literally knocking out the gene duplication along a string in his DNA. They're knocking out the one that doesn't allow it to function correctly. Oh yeah, great. That's great. And they're doing that on like the cellular level. Oh, that's great. So they're already getting that it, done. Yeah, well, that's, that's what the CRISPR is. Yeah, that's right? that's, so that's, that's what good the CRISPR news. is. So, so that was he had the muscle biopsy done in January, and in June we got the phone call like on a Saturday afternoon. We actually had people over. We were having a little party for Jesse's birthday, and it was rich. And he said, "We did it." And I said, "What do you mean?" And he said, "So they tried these different approaches, and two of them were successful, one more than the other, but two were successful. And once they treated Max's muscle, they left it. And a day later, the cells had autocorrected, hence the CRISPR therapy, the cells had autocorrected and they, they were then, te- um, they were then producing dystrophin on their own. That's great. Gosh, that's a miracle. Yeah. So that's the stuff that was science fiction six years ago. So can they do um, that for the kids that don't? So Max has double the dystrophin, or if I understand that correctly, for the kids that have the depletion of it, can they help those kids? Yeah. So believe it or not, like I was saying, it's it's a deletion in the chain. So mm-hmm. picture like a chain link, right? Mm-hmm. And and in in the in eighty percent of the boys' cases, there's a missing link. Mm-hmm. So they have to recreate the DNA matter and fill that link. In Max's case, he has a double link and it just, it doesn't allow it to function correctly. So believe it or not, though his, though his mutation is more rare, it's easier to fix, Sure. but there's no biotech and no pharmaceutical company that's going to go out there and say, well, we're going to fix that one boy. Even though it's it's relatively easy to fix in the CRISPR world, they're not going to spend the money fixing yeah. the one boy, and they're not going to they're not going to fix all these boys have their own gene mutation, no matter if they have a deletion or a duplication. So it, it's just not it's not worth their while, dollars and cents wise. So our angle is to basically promote this to insurance companies because in the lifespan of a Duchenne patient between the ages of zero to say twenty four, it costs them something like $25 million to ensure that boy in his lifespan, whereas it should cost them a million dollars to cure them when we're done. Is it a, is it the chain that Max has? Is it a duplicate or a replica? Do he's got a duplication. So basically between, you know, let's say it goes zero to 99. Yeah. He's got a chunk of it from 21 to 25. That's duplicated. Yeah. 
And that, there, oh, really? That and that's it. So okay. Wow. So are there are there that's other it. kids with not that, that duplication? Not that that's it. I mean, it, but I mean, it's yeah, not. A, so no, it's not a whole part of that it's, chain. It's just I, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Are there other Duchenne patients with that duplication? Um, we haven't found one in the databases. Um, there is a boy. So Terry's being treated now, and there is a boy that has the same deletion as him. Um, you know, so kind of everybody is loaded up into this database of what you have and what you don't have. And it's, it's very typical for you to be kind of a one-off, like in Max's case or in Terry's case, there's one other boy that has the same. So every single one of them has one off from the other. Yeah. Everyone's unique. Well, that's, that's, well, that's my point. I was like, man, you put enough of those therapy. together, it's probably going to be something in that. Right. Totally. You puzzle piece them all like, together. I mean, because it's in a human. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the different ways that, how many different ways can you splice that? But sure. So basically once we're able to, to show the FDA and, and, and show that this platform works and show that this, this whole process works, um, it should be applicable to all these boys, even though they have a different gene mutation. Right. Is it only boys that get Duchenne? 99.9% of the, yes. And, and I think at that point, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say, I'm not really sure there's like, you know, maybe one, you know, it's very, very, it's uber, uber rare for a girl to have it. Um, yeah. So, so, but we, we carry that one off. Oh my gosh. That is so scary. I can't imagine when you did get that news the first time, it would be like having a funeral just because you have to realize that not only, you know, just what the doctors tell you, like, oh, the lifespan is this, but... Oh, yeah, the not knowing. It's just the not knowing of, mm. is he going to be okay? Is he going to be It's not the pain? dying, it's just the... That's what death... Nothing, you don't know anything about it. Yeah. That, right. That's what death is. Mm-hmm. Right. You got no clue. You and, don't know when that sucker's coming, when she's coming in, you got no... Right. Uh, you know, I got a special relationship with her. I mean, she has a, an odor and everything, but I mean, you just... You don't know. It's fear too. There's a bunch that comes. Yeah, a bunch that comes with that. It's the fear. Yeah, and and you know, it's like how do you circumvent that, right? How do you kind of live alongside that and say, you know, we got to just power through this? And and you very Jesse and I, you know, we didn't. I didn't get to spend as much time with you as as Jesse did, but he and I are happy people. So it's like oh, we got that. that I mean, we caught take, that. We came up there. Y'all have y'all have a great time. Two, you take these two happy people and you give them this news, and you're like, damn, you know, am I going to be happy? Like I am now. You know, it's just like silly things. You're like, how am I going to live with this? And you do, and you do, you know, because this is going to probably sound, I don't know, not morbid, but there's there's always somebody in a worse situation than you, and you got to say, you know what? we're lucky we have this, we have that. And, and we're blessed in this way. And, and, and that's, that was, that's how we live, man. Every day. It's like, you know, it's not ideal, but it, it's pretty damn good where we are. So how do y'all take care of each other mentally? Cause for a marriage, that's really rough. We have other friends that have had, um, had a child with a rare disease and it, it's, we've seen how it can affect a marriage and y'all do seem so happy. Um, how do you just take care of and nurture that relationship on the hard days? 
Um, Jesse, I, I think it's just kind of this innate understanding of one another. It's like, we know Jesse will have a bad day and I'll know he's having a bad day. And we just kind of nurture that. And, and when I have the bad day, it's, it goes, it goes the same way. I think that we've been in a really, we've been very lucky up until now and, and whatever our future holds in that we've been able to take this information about what we know could be happening to our son. And we've been able to put it up on a shelf mm -hmm. and say, you know what, it's not here yet, but for now we're going to just live in the moment. And we put that up on a shelf and we deal with that later. And, and there's beauty in that. But there are days that it's just, it's a lot. It is a lot. Um, and I, I think that it's just, we, we know, we innately know one another and you just, it's, it's being there for one another. It's respect. It's respecting everything about one another. And, and I respect him and he respects me. And, and we know when we're having bad days, it's like, what's up? What's going on? So how does that. your um, faith play a role in everything? Oh, God. You make me cry with that question. Um, so uh, our faith is, faith is everything, right? Faith is everything. Um, <laughs> I, my husband's Jewish and I'm Catholic. And... Um, we chose, uh, we chose, <laughs> I kind of forced him into raising our, our kids Catholic. And, um, and it was really, you know, I said to him, I said, I don't care, you know, who, what God we pray to, but our kids need to have a foundation for faith. And faith is the most important thing in the world. You need to have I, you know, we all have our own Lord to pray to, and you need somebody to pray to. And, and my Lord just happens to be my Lord, but it, it works. Right. Um, so faith is important, immensely important to me. We do, you know, I pray, I pray, as you can imagine, I pray daily. Um, and my kids pray and, and I like to think that when the going gets tough, they have prayer and I think prayer and faith in God and faith in a greater being, um, gives you hope and gives you solace at the end of, at the end of the day. And especially at the end of a tough day. So yeah, faith plays a major role. I have faith. I have faith in God. I have faith in my team to do what they're doing. I, I like to call what we did, what we've been doing and what we've been working on with Max and all these other little boys. I like to call that a scientific miracle yeah. because it wouldn't happen without the team and it wouldn't happen without God. It's like this beautiful hybrid right. that's happening. Well, God yeah. works through our scientists and through yeah. all of these teams to make miracles happen. Right on, right on. I love that. Um, I'm turning TV on this morning and they were talking about the queen. She had just passed. Right. And, and that <clears throat> the part I caught was they asked her something that was, that was difficult. She's like, you carry on. Yeah. Yeah. You carry on. Just carry on. And that beautiful British accent of hers. 
Keep on and carry on. What what I like, just carry on. I'm like, yeah. One of the things I saw about her recently, just going off of on the topic of faith really quick, that I thought was just so magnificent is um, she had told a, a pastor one time that she met somewhere uh, that she can't, she hopes that Jesus comes back in her time uh, while she's alive. And he said, why, why, why do you want that? Cause you know, there will also be a lot of evil that happens at that time. Yeah. And she said, I can't wait to kneel down at his feet and hand him my crown. And I was wow. like, ah, that is so wow. touching. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's but, awesome. Again, yeah. the queen, she's awesome. <laughs> well, I am so inspired by Max and by just your whole family and how you work together as a team. And um, I don't know. I just. Well, I, y'all dropped a flag. <laughs> I came in that backyard and saw that. Let me tell you something. There's everything's everything, and people will talk noise, and there's walking to walk. But when a man drops a flag somewhere, and, mm. and you, I mean, you could see it. That means he set up shop. It's like this is what yeah. I'm doing. That that some guys are like that's how you know. And I, yeah. I saw that, and I was like, all right. Loud, say it and, proud, oh right? yeah. <laughs> when that flag flying, when Grandpa started flying that flag, I was like, all right. And yeah. then Jesse, we were and on the boat. I don't know if you realized where you were. You were in Connecticut. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. We have the same flags flying. And then, um, <laughs> right, and then right. on the boat, Jesse and I were talking, and Max came over and wanted wanted something. And Jesse was like, "Hey, don't interrupt the adults when they're talking." And just, right. which is exactly, exactly what Marcus says to our kids. I do the same thing. Yeah. Don't, don't treat that kid any different. Yeah. Treat him no. just like that. You treat him no. different, he'll know different. I mean, no. everyone else will do that. I mean, I and just keep keep living. I mean, I. Every day, I mean, yeah, he's a great kid. I, I, we, I, I just had such a great time up there with y'all. <laughs> Thank I really you. Appreciate it. Yeah, you know, I it's mean, it funny was, that you would say that, though. I, I said that. I know this sounds crazy, but even when he was little, when he was two, I mean, he's always been a cute little, ooh, little devil, cute little devil. He is, but so um, he would get fresh, and you know, he's two or three years old, and it almost felt good to to reprimand him because I said to Jesse, I go, oh no. This boy is going to grow up to be a man mm-hmm. and he is not going to be treated any different. And he needs to know, I don't want to swear on your podcast, but I am not going to raise any, you know what? Yeah. That's for sure. Well, you're doing <laughs> a great that. job. He's got manners. That's what I look for. I don't want to have manners, you know, kind of stuff like that, man. He was just, all the kids were actually. I wanted to ask another scientific question really quick. Um, would stem cells help at all, or does that have nothing to do with uh, Duchenne? It's, it, stem cells does not, stem cell does not. I mean, essentially what we're doing is, you know, I shouldn't say that. It, to the best of my knowledge, it it is what we're doing is permanent, right. right? It is permanent. Like he gets one, one shot transfusion and it is, it is corrected forever. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, okay. He doesn't have to keep doing that therapy. There's no maintenance to it. It's no, just a one injection. No. It's a one shot deal, which is a little scary, right? It's, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a little scary. There's that side to it too, which, which we're kind of, we're anticipating, you know, the, the scary part of that, but it's, this is a means to an end. I mean, if we do this, this kid, if we do this in good time, which is what we plan to do, he should be dosed between the third and fourth quarter of next year. And if we do that, he should never know that he even has this disease. Wow. 
that is that is what we're doing. So with respect to stem cell, I don't know about stem cell specifically, but I know that there there's in the in the way of Duchenne and muscular dystrophy, there's such a thing called microdystrophin. So they, they basically shoot you up with dystrophin and it's essentially, it's a Mm band-aid, right? It's like, it's, it works. Um, I don't know if you had the the opportunity to meet the currents. They were at our event and, and Connor, who's a twin. Um, he's, he's the oldest of three, um, he too has Duchenne. He's 11 years old and he got, he was one of the first kids in, in the country dosed with this microdystrophin through Pfizer and it worked, but it wears off. Yeah. yeah. So what we're doing is not a bandaid. It's 100% permanent and it auto corrects all the cells in your, in your body and your muscular, musculoskeletal systems. And once your once your muscles start regenerating, it's like the mama the mama muscle has the baby muscles. Once they start regenerating, and that gets passed on through all that muscle regeneration, so it should be a one shot deal. Yeah, wow. what are we praying for? We'll definitely be praying for him. So, um, with the foundation, do I was reading that um, there were like over seven thousand rare diseases that they're looking at. Um, <laughs> are there other I, w- I saw, I think I saw in there that cystic fibrosis was one of the um, things that they were looking at. Is that, do you know anything about that? Yeah. So, you know, I don't, Rich is the best at like the statistics of everything, but basically um, in the way of, of rare. So what we focus on are three things, rare, genetic, fatal diseases. Okay. Those are kind of the three, three criteria. Um, Right now, we're we're hyper focused on neuromuscular disease because that's what we know thus far. But once we apply this CRISPR therapy and it's done as we plan it to go, um, this can be applied to any array of rare, fatal genetic diseases. So um, cystic fibrosis, we actually prior to Max being diagnosed, we we were big. Um, I don't know what you would say. We, we gave, um, we were, we were very involved, um, with a, with a, with a charity for cystic fibrosis. So I know it well, and they have great, they're doing amazing things. I know I'm going to go off on a tangent, but, but the, in the cystic fibrosis world, there are amazing, they've made, they've, they've made leaps and bounds in the last five years with that disease. So that's pretty cool. That is pretty really cool. cool. I know two. Uh, adults that are in their early thirties with it that are, uh, one being very ill right now. Um, and it's super sad to see. Um, and the other is actually doing pretty well. My cousin just got married to him. Um, and he's doing really well right now. And I, he's on an experimental medicine and I'm hoping that it's correcting what he's got because he, he looks great. Yeah, I think I again, Melanie, I don't know the statistics, but I know that they came out with a drug. It was it was a company out of the Boston area and they came out with a drug that basically cured like 60 percent of the cystic fibrosis population. I correct me. My numbers are probably off, but it was like a large chunk of of that population, which was like amazing because, again, that disease, it was like it was essentially a death sentence to get that but 
Wow. Yeah. I wish them the best. Yeah. Keep We're definitely praying for Max. And if anyone of our listeners has a heart for any of this, look up the cure rare disease, uh, org and yeah. get involved with the foundation. Disease.org. What, what do we need you. to do or what, what, what do we, yeah. how can people check in? What do they need to do to follow y'all to, to, to help y'all out? What do you, what, what can we do? So, um, yeah, we're on Instagram, cure rare disease at cure rare disease. Um, I'm on Instagram. I don't know if there's anything really amazing about my Instagram, but if people wanted to donate, I will say this 99.9% of all the dollars raised go straight to the lab. We, we like to call ourselves a, um, biotech nonprofit. This is not like a corporate charity situation where the, where the, where the president's making a million dollars a year. Rich Horgan is he's the guy and we have basically one and a half employees at cure rare disease. All the dollars go toward um, purchasing lab time. And every single thing that we do is uber focused on the patient. And we are onboarding boys monthly right now. We have 13 boys, I think maybe even more in the pipeline set to get this set to get this, um, treatment. So, and it's, it's the real deal, man. We are cure. We're going to cure these kids. So it's going to be pretty exciting once Terry gets dosed to see what happens. Um, because he's so far along, so we don't know. It could, could, it may regress. We're hoping that he regains mobility. It's, it's pretty wild. When's he going in? Yeah. In the next 30 days. Well, keep us posted. Just, uh, I mean, that's, Right, he gets he's, it in the next he's the first, days. Right? He's, he's the first up one. there now. He has to go through immune suppression. Yeah, um, for two weeks, immune suppression, and then he's going to get his transfusion of the therapy. And we're like, I've I've known for about a month now, and I'm like literally on the edge of my seat for a lot of reasons. Yeah, but um, like, please God, like I just want. We've grown so close with these families. It's just like it's. There's a lot of layers there, you yeah. know, a lot of reasons, but, but so it's just, just an, pray that it all like goes. an IV infusion. It's not a surgery. Yeah. Nope. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you know how many people in the world have Duchenne? I don't know. I want to say it's one in every 30,000 boys are affected. I think that was, that was when Max was diagnosed. That's what it was. I don't know. Um, I'm actually Googling it as I talk to you. I, at the time, I think it was um, one in every 30,000. That seems like a lot. It's a lot. And, and Rich says this all the time. It's like rare diseases aren't that rare. Yeah. You know? I mean, if you think about 30,000, like our small town is probably what? 40,000, well, 50,000 yeah, people. That's why, I re- that's why I remember that statistic because our little town is like 30,000 people. And I remember thinking to myself, really? Yeah. Myself got to be the one kid. That's- <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like, that's why it's so uh, like raw, raw for me to like, I know that number. No, I, I yeah. Oh, well, we are definitely praying for you and we'll keep our listeners um, posted on how Terry does. If you'll just keep us posted. And- I definitely will. Yeah. It's going to be major, major news. And um, yeah, keep him in your thoughts and prayers too. We'd appreciate it so much. 
Yeah. Well, and um, again, so great to see you guys. You too. Tell the family we said what's up. Yeah, and your in-laws. Oh, I yeah, just left. I mean, we didn't get to say hey, bye to them. Tell the whole town we said hello again. <laughs> I mean, I, it, you know, I mean, really, I, they were all that a blast. Um, I left a little note for y'all on the counter. I don't know if y'all got it or not. I but... just got. I woke up to it this morning because I fell asleep around eight o'clock last night. I was a little tired, <laughs> and um, I woke up to it. My my father in law texted it to Jesse and I. Oh, good. So thank you so much. Now thank I ha- you so I did write that birth. while I was going to sleep, and Marcus turned the lights off on me. So if my <laughs> handwriting was sloppy, that's, I was figuring I was out how to try to smuggle dark. that hundred and twenty pound Great Dane in my luggage. <laughs> Oh my God! I was writing was in the in dark. The room? He was in the room with you guys. She, well, yeah, she did. She came in. She there. came she, in with us. Then, uh, yeah, but that was funny, man. She's Something. so cute. I've got more pictures of her than I have of anything else <laughs> in <laughs> in the town. So I believe it. I believe it. All right. Well, thank you so thank much. You guys. Yeah, Stay in care. touch. Thank you so much. All right. Good. See you. Bye. Bye. Bye.